Hey, everybody. It's your host, Felipe Melicio. You're watching and listening to the Total Basis Podcast. I hope everybody's having a wonderful Friday night. This is a Friday night edition. Well, for those listening on the audio-only format, this is a, uh, we're recording on a Friday night. Uh, everybody else, hopefully, hopefully everybody else is having a wonderful Friday night as we get ready for this upcoming weekend. And that means we are a couple of days early from getting ready for the next week's fantasy baseball period. Uh, and uh, I'll go ahead and uh, swing it over to my co-host, Sean Flannery. Sean, how you doing this evening? I'm great, Felipe. How are you? Uh, I also want to take this time to uh, thank the Step Backs host, uh, Leon Tompkins, for covering for me last week. That was awesome. It also kind of cracked me up seeing as uh, while you were gone, I stole Jacob from him. And then while I was gone, you stole him from Jacob. So it uh, all came <laughs> full circle for sure. <laughs> that's funny i forgot all about that <laughs> hey, we're, hey we're all a team here so yeah, it doesn't really yeah matter. for sure yeah. it's the life group difference <laughs> yeah uh, when one of us are when one of us is down we pick each other up then uh, we can't ask for better so yeah man he was a wonderful host uh, co-host i should say uh I, plus you know the way i see it sean uh you know I, he owed me one you know because you know without me <laughs> there is no step back podcast there i said it uh, but no uh, he was uh, he was great last week he was awesome last week, and I, I, you know, I learned some things from him, and hopefully, uh, he took some uh, key, um, important uh, notes that he might have taken away from for his fantasy stuff as well. Uh, one thing I do regret informing the folks is I was so high on Tyler Ma- uh, Mail, right, from the Cincinnati Reds. I was so high on him uh, because last week he was a two-star pitcher. Yep. And then this week, I I find out that he's back in the bullpen. Yeah, he's like, to the. Oh. In favor of Wade Miley. Oh, goodness gracious. That I mean, that's why I thought that, you know, he was the guy to go with because you know, who the hell is Wade Miley to take away Tyler Mayo's, uh job? But apparently Ty, uh, Wade Miley still matters. Yeah. Uh, who knew? I, I would have never guessed it. It's 2020 and Wade Miley still matters. <laughs> But anyway, um, hope, like I said, hope everybody's having a wonderful uh, Friday night and uh, hopefully we can entertain you and inform you along the way as we get ready for the upcoming baseball period. Uh, Sean, you want to start uh, changing the gears here. You want to start with how uh, with the Baseball Life Fantasy Baseball uh, League group there? You want to uh, see? Yeah, uh, we had another um, undefeated week from me, you know. Uh, I, I tied with uh, Jeff Jurai, uh, kind of kept me uh, on my toes, and uh, my offense was terrible. Yeah. Uh, absolutely terrible. I can try and pull it up real fast. Okay. Fan tracks would cooperate with me, but um, it was just so brutal. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, my team could actually perform. And I was like, where was this? at least your team's performing yeah bear with me fantrax is not cooperating yeah okay uh, um yeah so i tied with jet and um i had a, a team batting average under 200 i was under the mendoza line but i was carried by a lot of starting pitching i had 41 strikeouts to his 17 had a 1.8 ERA in 40 innings, four quality starts, which I just keep getting handed by guys like Herman Marquez, Frankie Montas, 
uh, Julio Urias, Zach Plezak, all guys that uh, um, obviously Plezak has been in the news for other reasons, but he's done pretty well uh, in my rotation in terms of fantasy. But uh, then I had a, an offensive explosion against Mike Harvey, our resident St. Louis Cardinals fan. So I really don't know what to make of it. It's like the most bipolar fantasy baseball season I've ever played in my life. Yeah, um, it's been frustrating for me too. Is like I, I get one guy healthy in Juan Soto, and then I see like two other guys go back on the injured list, and it's just it's one thing after another, and it's very frustrating to deal with. I'm getting kind of tired of it already, but um, yeah, I mean, but we, I mean, I war- we warned ourselves right that this was going to be that type of year where injuries are going to take a hold. Uh, the ebb and flow of the season is going to be ridiculously. Uh, uncontrollable and hard to deal with and hard to make up with. But uh, this is what we do. Right? We, we love the torture or otherwise we yeah. wouldn't be doing this. Right? Yeah. So, we we are masochist for sure. And I'm Mexican by the way. So <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, what's on the docket there, uh, uh, Sean? What's the so first topic? We put a, a post out into baseball life earlier today, you know, kind of trying to field some questions and it seemed to be a common theme was, what the hell do I do at starting pitching? <laughs> and that, like I said, uh, when we went into the fan tracks league uh, with baseball life, uh, my first four picks were position players. And you guys remember, I was in shambles the, that first night of the draft. I had yeah. no clue what was going to happen. I ended up having to pick four straight pitchers and Glasnow, Wheeler, Urias, and I believe Montas, Frankie Montas was the other one. And luckily, it's worked out for me so far. Tyler Glasnow's faced a little bit of a hiccup, but has a K per nine, like over 15. It's silly right now. He, but he, he's walking more guys. He's given up a couple of home runs. Uh, but the thing is, it's been a whole lot better than I anticipated. So maybe since I had no expectations for my pitching, that's why it's doing well. Um, you have a lot of people, you know, they spent really high draft picks on guys like Steven Strasburg to be their SP1 or Jack Flaherty. Both of those guys have made less than two starts. Steven Strasburg was making, I think, his second start today. And imagine being in that position where this was your SP1 and we're a third of the way through the season and he hasn't made his second start yet. That You're in trouble at that point. And then we also have some injuries to guys like Charlie Morton, Justin Verlander, Madison Bumgarner, Yanni Torinos, who isn't the most exciting fantasy pitcher, but he's someone who will consistently – protect your ratios he's not going to have blow up games he's going to give you bulk innings um so we have a couple of replacements guys that are owned usually i think based on fan tracks owned in 60 percent or less of leagues picked out a couple of names that we could talk about as well all right and uh wow uh already we have a quick question about alec mills we talked about uh i talked about with no i talked about with you i'm sorry i forgot uh alec mills we talked about him before um has your mind changed about Alec Mills so far this uh, since the last time we talked about him? Like I said, he seems to be one where, you know, and there's somebody else that's like this. The sum is greater than the, the whole of its parts, and he's in the 99th percentile of exit, velo- or exit velocity against 95 or 95, 95th percentile of hard hit percentage against. So he's doing a great job of limiting – hard contact his exit velocity against is actually under 80 miles an hour which is like unheard of it's fantastic it's just 
I'm not sure how long he can keep it up. He's a, a sinker, fastball, heavy guy. He doesn't throw it hard. He's getting a lot of – his sinker has a, a launch angle against of negative 22, so they're just pounding it straight into the dirt. But the, the fastball, which he throws about an equal percent of the time, um, they're not hitting it at all well right now, but last year they did. So it seems like the fastball's overperforming slightly, even though its metrics are saying it's doing great. Uh, compared to last year, it had a batting average against a 324, and this year it's at 167. So you'd have to think it's going to meet somewhere in the middle there, and if he starts giving up more base hits on his fastball, then he might come down to earth a little bit. Uh, he's rosterable and definitely startable in fantasy right now, but I'm not ready to declare him like the next big thing. Yeah, I'm kind of uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm a Cubs fan. I'm wearing my Cubs hat backwards, you know. Sacrilegious, but yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as you are. I just don't trust him. Um, I I like. I, I guess I guess the thing about with Cubs fans is they think they think they got another. Um, who's that guy? Kyle Hendricks on on their on the rotation. Yeah, it. I think he's somewhat similar to Hendricks, but I don't think he has the secondaries. Like the the changeup is good for Mills, but I don't think it's a Kyle Hendricks level changeup. Like last year, batters hit 310 against his changeup. And this year, they're batting 091, but the expecting batting average of against it is 326. So definitely a pitch that is overperforming big time. Yeah. And uh, that's why, I mean, and, and I think the other thing is that we've heard about this guy for such a long time uh, as a Cubs fan, I guess. And he's finally up here. And I think it's like we're celebrating our first pitcher that's actually well besides Hendricks that's actually you know gone up through the system and it's performing well so we're not used to it we're not, we usually sign expensive free agents that falter eventually <laughs> or, or or find their groove again like you Darvish guys so yeah but uh hey the Cubs have the best record if this was the NFL they'd be in the playoffs with the best record in the NFL so um you can't complain right now uh any other pitchers that uh the folks were asking about besides Alex. Uh, in from the the I think the only ones that they brought up were Mills, but I have a list of several here, and I know you have several that you you'd like to talk about. So if you want to go ahead and lead with one of yours, yeah, these are all going to be people to look at. Um, I know mine are are owned in less than sixty percent of leagues, so they should be available. Um. I'm not saying ride them, you know, for the entire season, but be smart and play their matchups, and they're probably going to help you. Let me know if you can see that. Um, uh, it has not popped up yet. Okay. But, there uh, it is. Yeah, yeah it's up it's on? Okay. And uh, hopefully everybody else can see it. Flip your phones over. <laughs> talking to each other for a bit. Um, it still shows up as dark uh, on uh, on the live feed. Oh, there it goes. Okay. So there's yeah. a slight delay. But anyway, this is the top 20 pitches available. Um and in, in, in potentially available in several leagues here as uh, we try desperately to look for pitchers. As Sean and I talked beforehand, a lot of starting pitchers are hurt. I think we just lost Frankie Montes today. Is that correct? Yeah, Frankie Montes is missing his start tonight. Jacob DeGrom missed his start tonight. Uh, 
Spencer Howard, a prospect or a prospect that will rookie we'll talk about later. He just left his start early due to an injury. So it seems like a lot of these guys are dropping out of class. Obviously, we've lost Mike Soroka already, Justin Verlander, guys that were considered bona fides, you know, SP1s, SP2s. So there's going to be holes. And like I have a, in another league, I have Jack Flaherty as my SP1. And I've just been completely lost in terms of starting pitching because I had him, Rich Hill, and I think Charlie Morton. And I've just like – and there's very little bench spots, and I don't want to drop these guys. And so, luckily, with the Cardinals resuming play tomorrow, hopefully they'll be able to kick it in here. I mean, this is, I mean, this is so frustrating, man. It, I, like I said, this is, was expected, but it doesn't mean I have to like it or whatever. Yeah. It's just – it just sucks. I mean, I, you mentioned two guys already in my other league, in my points league. I have Jacob DeGrom and Steven Strasburg as they were part of my keeper crew. I'm thinking, well, I'm going to go pitcher, keeper heavy because I feel like pitching is a, a necessity in a points league. And like you mentioned, if I barely have seen Strasburg make a second start. Jacob DeGrom can't stay healthy all of a sudden with the finger and the neck. And I think I think our, our our other fearless leader, Vince Mercadetti, even accused him of having a back problem. I don't. Is that is that is there a back problem with Jacob Degrom? He has he has dealt with one in the past. Um, in 2018, right before he you know won the Cy Young two years in a row, um, he missed like the last week of spring training and had his first start pushed back. So he does have a history of uh, a back problem, but it really it it's been something more that they've monitored and instead of something that's like affected them and i also have noah cinder guard as well so yeah it's, yeah I, uh, <laughs> me too <laughs> and i got my clevenger as well and it's just been it's just been the domino effect but you know never fear the thing about starting pitching is theoretically speaking you can somewhat find them on waiver wires if you get lucky that's why sean uh went with the strategy he took in uh, what you mentioned in, uh, in our fan tracks league, right? In yeah. Life league, where you went hitter friendly to start off and then you picked up pitchers at the end. Well, it wasn't even really by design, but once I had picked four hitters in a row, I knew I was going to have to, you know, load up on pitchers. But I also, I played the, the waiver wire aggressively and I, I yeah. targeted guys that I liked. Herman Marquez, I got late in that draft. Um, Drew Pomeranz, who's already gotten four saves in front of Kirby Yates. I, I liked him from the beginning, knowing he would at least get me holds. And yeah. next thing I know, he's close to the league lead in saves. And um, Spencer Turnbull, and like I said, you just got to be aggressive when you play the wire. Yeah. But now is everybody's chance to play aggressive the wire this week as uh, Kevin Gossman is a guy I really like coming into the season. I just wasn't sure what the Giants were going to do with him, whether he'd be a starting pitcher or, or a relief pitcher, because they were talking about, you know, using him as both. And so far, he's made three starts, as, according to this Fangraphs uh, Excel sheet I pulled up here. And, I mean, what, this is ridiculous. 11.81K per nine, 21 uh, strikeout to walk rate, 1.46 uh, FIP, which is the field independent pitching for those who are not uh, – analytics friendly i guess although i think at this point fip might be a, a bygone statistic at this point who knows yeah <laughs> but uh i just like using fangirls because it's just so easy for me to export their uh the reports and yes gives me a, a pretty clear idea as to what's going on in terms of uh, the results stats here um and you know perfect situation for him big ballpark in san francisco and 
he's away from Baltimore, who all they do is ruin their pitchers. They're seeing that with Dylan Bundy, who's <laughs> resurrected his career in uh, Orange County over there for the Orange County Angels. Um, and um, yeah, so Gossman uh, is is a benefactor of uh, moving out to the West Coast, where, where it just seems to be a pitcher's paradise. And uh, he's taking advantage of it, and the Giants are taking advantage of him as well and his production. So yeah. I really liked Kevin Gossman going into the season, but the yeah. one reason I avoided him was I had no clue where they were going to use him. Because last year, once he got traded from the Braves to the Giants, the Giants used him almost like exclusively in the bullpen or the – it was – uh, Cincinnati, not my bad. Cincinnati, he got traded from Atlanta to Cincinnati, and Cincinnati used him exclusively out of the bullpen. Um, he had 30 strikeouts in 22 innings, and he really he, – he dropped the sinker uh, that he was throwing. It was like a sinker cutter. Um, and then he went purely to a four-seam and then a splitter. And his splitter is his best pitch by far. And he's throwing it this year a career-high 38.5% and 32% whiff rate. They're just pounding it into the ground as well. His, the big thing to take away with Gossman right now is his fastball velocity is up almost two miles an hour. And like mm-hmm. you said, any pitcher that has upside like this in San Francisco's ballpark, as long as he's, you're streaming him and he's getting his starts at home, uh, he's a completely viable starting pitcher in fantasy. I mean, look, yeah, I, I pulled it up. Uh, fastball velocity is a 95.5 according to pitch yep. effects. Uh, 15.7 swinging strike rate, which is uh, top tier on this list. How's a hard hit rate? That's what I need to know. Oh, sh- map. Okay, so it, it, it gets up there. And Gossman, unfortunately, gets hit hard. Is that one of those where it says he throws hard, so he gets hit hard? or it, why? It's kind of one of those when he's not missing bats, he's going to get hit harder. Uh, I mean, Justin Verlander kind of suffered from the same thing last year. Um People that attend to pound the zone more, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, a lot of people faded the hell out of Shane Bieber last year because he's such a control artist that he was in the zone so much that he did give up a lot of hard contact. And then we all saw what that hard contact when you're dotting the corners and making guys look silly on curveballs in the dirt. Even when they do hit it hard, guess what? Nobody's on base. So I don't – it is a good indicator to look at, you know, hard hit rate against. But I also look that, hey, if this guy's not walking anyone and he gives up a couple of hard base knocks with nobody on base, then guess what? They're just base hits. And obviously, you know, if, you, you're, if you're not putting yourself into trouble, which Gossman definitely isn't this year with that minuscule walks per nine, uh, then I'm going to be more likely to, you know, be accepting of that. As you can see from the list, uh, Gossman has the lowest contact rate at 69.2% uh, of the 21 starting pitchers I've listed here. So, yeah, so even if he gets hit hard, it's you know very rare that he gives up that much contact. And, yeah, go pick him up if he's available by miracle at this point. Uh, I got your boy, Daniel Samak. Samak? Samak? Yes. Okay. Uh, wondering why the Braves rotation is hated by God. Uh, oh yes, I, I I for sure replied to him. Um, they're they're in trouble. I I thought pitching was going to be their weak spot for sure. I didn't think it would be their rotation like this. But when you lose Soroka for the year, um, Cole Hamels is on the the forty five day IL, the equivalent of the sixty. So he's essentially done. Uh, Felix Hernandez, who wasn't really expected to be much, he opted out. 
Um, but you do highlight someone right there, uh, Tuki Toussaint, who is a bit of an upside play. Um, he either just had his start at Yankee Stadium or he's going into it. I think he just had that start, and he uh, he had two really good starts and then struggled against the Yankees, which is a common theme for pitchers. <laughs> The, the funny thing is if you look at Tuki Tucson's uh, stack cast page right now is he's got, you know, five different pitches. He throws all of them at least 11%, but he's currently throwing his curve and his splitter more than he throws his own fastball. He's throwing the curve 28% of the time, the split 23%, and the fastball 23%. So he has a, a really good curve and a split, so it's good to see him, you know, doubling up on those pitches. But at the same time, he's always been a guy who's had issues with fastball command. Uh, he's definitely more of a thrower with the fastball. And so if he doesn't have fastball command and he walks four guys a game, he's going to be in trouble. But if he has one of those games where he's just wild enough, he's probably a good star. <laughs> if you go to a stack cast page and see his fastballs, they're just all like – peppered around the screen it's like there's a couple right at the top of the zone but there's a lot that are way out there so a, a big fastball command issue guy yeah and then the, i'm looking at uh, the other figures that i had listed here i mean pretty similar to kevin gossman uh, including the hard hit rate is pretty similar at the, around the 45 percent mark but i mean look i mean the fastball you mentioned at 94 miles an hour uh, is up there along with gossman i, I just out of curiosity, I'm going to just sort it by the fastball. Yeah, number five on this uh, yeah. small list. But, hey, he passes my eye test. Like, hey, he's ranked pretty damn high in all these oh, other he, And he was, uh, he's got, re like, real prospect pedigree, you know, when he was traded in, from the Diamondbacks to the Braves. You know, he was a top pitching prospect. And his curveball is, is fantastic. It's always been fantastic. And to see him actually Sounds like he's throw it. the uh, – like, throw it as his dominant pitch. I mean, it's got a 50% whiff rate this year, had a 46% whiff rate last year. Um, it's just, if he can't learn to locate his fastball, it's going to be really tough to be consistent. And if you're not a consistent starter, then it's hard to start. Like It's hard to take a pitcher who's not consistent and plug him into the roster in fantasy and say, that guy's starting for me basically no matter what. Because then you really have to look into their matchups and they're a risk every time you have them in the lineup. Yeah, I was going to mention that uh... – oh, man, brain fart. <laughs> it's just, the, the thought escaped me here. But, uh, no, it's funny that uh, he mentioned the Braves. Like, well, you got one guy that's doing fairly well. Oh, that's what I wanted to mention. Uh, Tuki Tassan, so he's taking basically the, uh, the Patrick Corbin yes. route and the Rich Hill route. But he's right-handed, right? He's right-handed pitcher? Yes. So that's pretty – I you know, you usually hear about that from the left-handed uh, pitchers. I don't know about the right-handed pitchers, unless they're relievers. But for starting pitchers, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a rarity in, in yeah. cases. Yeah. Like, I, I, I was shocked when I, I pulled up because I knew from when the Mets faced him last week, it, he threw the splitter a lot, it looked like. I, yeah. It felt like he didn't throw the curve as much, but uh, that's he had to start against the Mets, and he actually didn't walk anybody. And he or It was the start right after the Mets, one of the two. And he didn't walk anyone, and he was really impressive. And it's just one of those when he has fastball command, 
he's fun to watch. Yeah, that was his start against the Blue Jays uh, last week. Uh, he went six and two-thirds, nine strikeouts, no walks. So, Is there anybody else on this list you wanted to talk about? Uh, the one – the, literally the next three on your list are all guys that uh, I was going to bring up. Tommy Malone, who I've, I've talked about before, and I can't quit him. I don't have him. I, this is one of those do as I say, not as I do. Um. But Tommy Malone is over here pumping 86-mile-an-hour fastball gas. This ridiculous. And he got lit up one of his starts. Right, he only has a three-year so far. Um, he's had a start against Boston, Tampa, and Washington so far, uh, including, I think, the suspended game that's just started. But he, it's not one of those he gets by on his fastball. He has an outstanding changeup, and right. there's really – there's a lot of risk with a guy that tops out on his fastball at like 87 miles an hour. There's a lot of risk there, not going to lie. But his changeup and slider are just so damn good. And his slider, it's not, it's not really an out pitch. His slider is a, a throw it for strikes. And then his changeup is what he gets for you to go fishing on. And um, it's one of those – the pitchers in Baltimore this year are doing a little better than what we thought they would. And I think Tommy Malone's the best of all of them until John Means comes back. So, he's a guy who, once again, don't go starting him against the Yankees. Don't go – but play the matchups with them. Stream these guys. They're, they're all – you're not going to be able to replace a Justin Verlander or a Charlie Morton with just one guy. That, that's what I think people need to realize is you're not going to take one of these guys off the free agent market, plug him in – and replace them. You're going to have to stream them. You're going to have to drop them, pick them up, pick up somebody else. And it's tough work, but the results are pretty good usually. I mean, what the hell are they doing? To, I mean, it seems like the last few years or so, they've had all this top-level pedigree talent coming out of their uh, – I think we talked about it before, like all the failed projects yeah. up in Baltimore. We just mentioned one in Kevin Gossman and Dylan Bundy, who I just talked about for a, a split second. And you, I'm looking at their at their starting five right now, and I'm going to name you these guys: Alex Cobb, having a great year. This is ridiculous. Wade LeBlanc, <laughs> so so year. Thomas Eshelman, who's the youngest in the rotation at 26 years old. Tommy Malone, who we just talked about, and Asher Wojciechowski, a, a failed prospect for the Houston Astros. He was one of one of those uh, guys who was supposed to be the next. Uh, uh, the next thing that was you're telling happen. me he didn't drop any wash bombs in Houston. <laughs> no, it'd be a different type of uh, bomb there. Um, <laughs> although I think he did. Rep- I think he was the one who reported the LeBron James going to the Miami Heat before LeBron made the decision. <laughs> bad jokes, bad jokes. Okay, so you got all these guys here. I just mentioned them, and they're trash. I mean, Malone, I always liked. I, at one point, I liked all these guys because they were. Uh, I don't know about Eshelman though, but. Four of those five guys outside of Eshelman, I don't know because I have no idea who Thomas Eshelman is. I'll be honest, although apparently he comes from Houston Astros as well. But four of those five guys at one point was highly regarded out of their own teams' prospects list before they flamed out. I mean, Cobb had some success in the majors before he – With Tampa. Yeah, before he eventually became – he sometimes looks like like he's pitching a batting practice. Yeah. And now you're telling me that he's turned things around. Wade LeBlanc, who I thought he was done, has found the fountain of youth or some sort of, you know, 
adjustment that is making him successful with the Orioles, I guess. And then we talked about Malone, and then we talked about Asher Wojciechowski. What are these guys doing – or what is Baltimore doing so differently this year with, uh, with these failed former prospects that they couldn't uh, succeed with with their own farm hands that were coming up through their system like Gossman and Bundy? What's well, going on in Baltimore? Wojciechowski is doing what we just talked about with basically every pitcher breakout, Dylan Bundy, uh, Luis Castillo, Patrick Corbin. Wojciechowski is throwing his curveball 40% of the time, 5% more than his fastball. He's throwing a slider 17% of the time. Uh, before this season, he had never thrown the curveball more than 27% of the time. So that's a 13% increase. And uh, it's a pretty good one. And he's somebody who, looking at his game logs, his first start was against the Yankees. He went five innings, gave up four and runs, three home runs, but seven strikeouts. Seven strikeouts to two walks against the Yankees is pretty impressive. And four of his hits, three of them were home runs to a team that hits a lot of home runs. So to escape with only four earned runs doesn't seem half that bad. And since then, he's pitched against Miami and Washington. And I believe the Washington game was the one on the ninth, which got rained out that they're making up right now. but in those starts, uh, Miami, he went five innings, two earned runs, four strikeouts. Um, and then versus Washington in three and two-thirds, four strikeouts, three hits, no runs. So this is a guy, once again, don't put all of your eggs into the Asher Wojciechowski basket, but, you know, keep an eye on him. You know, maybe if you like one of his matchups, maybe if he goes against Miami again, in Miami or something like that, then you could possibly start him. Because almost any pitcher in that Marlins ballpark is a must-start pitcher, including the next guy on your list, Pablo Lopez, who is great at home and so far this year is a stat cast darling. He's limiting a lot of hard contact, one of the best in baseball at it. Um, They're just pounding everything into the ground. Even his fastball, his fastball is just getting hit right into the ground. Three of his pitches, fastball, changeup, and sinker, all have a negative launch angle which is impressive. And the best thing about Pablo Lopez is if he is available in your league, you need to go pick him up because I believe his next two starts are both in Miami. Miami's finally making their home debut in that ballpark. And Pablo Lopez for his career at home has an ERA right at 3-5, under 3-5. While on the road, Pablo Lopez has a career ERA over 5.5. So Pablo Lopez goes from being a must-start guy at home to a shouldn't even be rostered guy on the road. And so, to me, is a perfect streaming option to replace, you know, an injury or a guy who's missing a start due to a, a postponement or something like that. This is crazy. I'm looking at Wojciechowski's uh, stat cast figures. He's, he only has a 2.6 barrel rate against. Yeah. Which is and it, it was like John Means did the same thing last year. John Means didn't throw hard. He, he threw the changeup and breaking ball a lot and – he, he didn't get whiffs, but he missed the barrel. And sometimes that's all you need to do. I mean, there have been pitchers that have made 15-year careers off of just missing the barrel. They don't miss oh the God. bat, but they miss the barrel. Alex Cobb it has a um, – has a – what's it? One, two, three, four, five. A five-season uh, – what do you call it? A, a five-season high of 7.78K per nine at the moment. Uh, let me rephrase that because I sound like an idiot. It's, it's like one, this is the highest he's had his – 
strikeouts per nine innings since 2014 when he was in the middle of his race tenure down there. Um, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. I would have never because we talked about the Orioles like 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 they're the plague of, of and the ruin of Major League Baseball uh, a long time so, ago. I, along with Colorado, it's where pitchers go to die. <laughs> but we expect that from Colorado. It's fine. But the Orioles, it, it, but you know the, the Rockies, they bring something to the table. I mean, you know what you're going to get from the Colorado Rockies. You're not getting. I mean, especially when we were talking about this back in the winter, you don't get jack shit from the Orioles when you're looking at their team roster on the winter. And then look at this. He has a strikeout rate of 20.2. That's the highest it's been since 2014. This is insane. This is yeah. absolutely insane. 1.07 whip, which is a career low for him, for Alex Cobb. <laughs> I, 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 I will never understand this. Like, like I Leon said, Tompkins, just, uh, our buddy Leon, just made a good point. He said, Jamie Moyer missed barrels. Yes, he did. He missed barrels for a very, very long time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I mean, this is this is some sort of rejuvenation project, I, and I, I'm kind of curious to see what the Orioles are teaching these guys to kind of. I mean, swinging strike rate. This is a career high for Alex Cobb at 11.8 percent swinging strike rate. Uh, I'm I'm just astonished by all this, uh, uh, Sean. I'm absolutely astonished by all this. Uh, and, and the only thing I see that's different from last uh, from years before to this year is that he's throwing his splitter more. Yeah, uh, he's basically loaded up on the splitter and the curve, throwing the fastball less. Um, you know, what's new in baseball? These pitchers that are throwing their fastball less and their secondaries more. I mean, it, it's a common phenomenon that we're seeing over and over again. And Yeah, yeah. It's like the whole notion that throw your best pitch more and the pitch that you – well, my, my other question was to you, since you seem to have a good handle on this, uh, I guess – they realize that it's better to, for them to throw that high risk pitch more as opposed to less. But I mean, what's the, is there no worry at this point of uh, severe arm injuries in the near future for any of these guys? I mean, I'm not really sure if it's even that, but it's the, the Mets broadcast talks about it all the time. And it's literally seems like it's brought up at least every game is a pitcher gets behind two Oh three, one, and, you know, Keith Hernandez and Ron Darling, guys that played in the, the eight, 70s, 80s, you know, that's a fastball count. You're going to get a fastball. But for the last two, three years, guess what? A pitcher gets behind on the count, and he throws a changeup or he throws a curveball. And the pitcher's usually going to take it unless it's a fastball because they're sitting fastball. Right. And these guys are throwing breaking ball off-speed pitches in fastball counts and it's part of, I guess, that cat and mouse game between the hitter and the pitcher is if the hitter thinks – if the hitter's thinking fastball and sitting fastball, well, then maybe I can get away with a get-me-over curveball that just sits middle-middle. I mean, you don't want it middle-middle, but if you can consistently throw it for a strike, why not? It's just hard for me to believe that the Orioles figure this nonsense out. I mean, I'm looking I'm, – I'm on Wade LeBlanc's uh, StatCast uh, section on Fangraphs. Yeah. 64 events, this mofo has a 1.6 barrel rate against. This is insane. I mean, he still sucks. I mean, all the others, <laughs> the results are still awful. But it's just, it's mind-boggling. It's the freaking Orioles. It, it, this is not what they're, they should be getting lit up every single game. And you know what it is also, Sean? 
is that they're taking – I mean, they're clearly taking advantage of the fact that this is a shortened season. Uh, variance is in their favor. So may the variance be with you. Yeah, uh, Wayne <laughs> LeBlanc throwing his change up 34.2% according to the pitch effects, uh, which is a career high. He's throwing that pitch more than any of his uh, other pitches. He's given up on the fastball. So uh, obviously he's 36 years old. There is no more fastball. But still, it's like the freaking Orioles. Oh. But, uh, what a season. Yeah, uh, another another guy who I had. I he's he was the highest owned player uh, at sixty percent. Let me just double check. I, While you do that, I gotta announce this. Uh, Wait, okay, go for it. Ten point eight percent swinging strike rate. Another freaking Orioles pitch, starting pitcher with a with a swinging strike rate over ten percent. <laughs> what is going on? He still okay. sucks though, but still. Anyway, go on. Okay, so. Um, <laughs> In common theme of pitchers dropping like flies, I wanted to talk about this guy. I was going to let you know that his next two matchups weren't the greatest, um, but to still keep an eye on him because he's throwing harder and he has a new pitch. Um, But before I can even tout him, uh, Yusei Kikuchi is out scratched from his Friday chart with neck spasms. So that's three guys that have all been scratched today alone. But uh, Yusei Kikuchi is a really interesting, you know, he was a big-time free agent signing for Seattle last year and then proceeded to just get dominated. Uh, His fastball was only pumping in at, like, 92. Uh, Batters strafed him, hit well over 300 against it. But this year, his fastball's averaging 95 miles an hour, and he's also throwing a cutter, a cutter that he did not throw at all last year and now out of nowhere – is throwing 42% of the time in which there's a 30% whiff rate, um, a 180 batting average against, which is right in line with its 182 expected batting average. So it's like he turned his mediocre fastball from last year that averaged 92 and a half to putting a little bit of run cut movement on it to get in on the right-handed hitters. Cause I want to say last year he had real issues with right-handed hitters. Um, because he didn't have a, a great changeup. He had an okay changeup, but it was – I mean, he doesn't really trust it and doesn't throw it all that often. But uh, he's a guy to keep an eye on because it's a, it's a sustainable or, you know, a, a believable change. You know, he's had improvements this year, and it's believable because, one, he's throwing way harder, and, two, he's introduced this just new dominant pitch. So you mentioned the cutter, right? Yeah. Uh, and you said it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, who, who's in charge? Or, or, like, how does that work out? I, I don't know how inside you are with this stuff. but I don't know. It's from? one of those, you know, sometimes they – a new person comes in a, or a coach or someone in the analytics office, a, a teammate, is, you know, the kind of like the Mariano – or the, the Mariano Rivera effect was Mariano Rivera threw a cutter and then you go and look at all the guys that were really young relief pitchers at when Rivera was at the end of his career, guys like uh, David Robertson. David Robertson sat there and picked Moe's brain and became a big cutter guy. Uh, uh, Robertson went to the White Sox, and uh, the name eludes me, um, and then was a, taught a couple of their guys cutters, and now he's in the Phillies bullpen, hasn't pitched. But last year, I want to say – um, 
Dominguez, Sir Anthony Dominguez, before he got hurt, was apparently toying around with a new cutter. So it's like this either, you know, a teammate can show it to him. But it's also been a very popular pitch, I think, recently that pitchers have started throwing. Um, you Darvish being one of them, he started throwing that cutter and started having really good um, results. So I think it's something that pitchers are seeing other pitchers throw and utilize well. And so they're saying, hey, why can't I do that? Why can't I, you know, try that out? Boy, oh, boy. He's, he's not even – he's basically giving up on the, on the breaking pitches at this point. According to pitch effects, 11.8% on the slider. Yeah. Last year he threw it at 28%. Uh, and wow. And so, yeah, he's completely re, reinvented himself. On the yeah, I, I, I want to say his slider last year was a little loopy. And so it, it kind of just died into the zone. But if he's throwing that cutter, it's kind of getting a similar motion, except it's tighter and it's just, you know, zipping into the right-handers instead of kind of floating into the right-handers. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I could think of is that Marco Gonzalez has been teaching him new tricks. Yeah. Marco Gonzalez, I, I don't know how he survives, but he gets it done. Talk, well, he's talking the, about a guy that misses bats. <laughs> he's, on, he's on the list, man, right here. Marco Gonzalez. Oh, there he is, yeah. Let's talk about him really quick. Uh, we talked about him. Oh, geez, he's all the way at the bottom because uh, he hasn't struck out a lot of guys. But we talked about him last year. Uh, uh, Sean, if you remember, we talked about him last year uh, or even in the offseason. Like, what exactly does he bring to the table? And, and, and you and I are kind of scratching our heads. And Or was that with Mario? Anyway, we talked uh, on this show. I know we did. Yeah. The benefits of having a Marco Gonzalez, and I think one of them was, well, if, it's a, if, he, if you're in a weekly league and he's due to, for two starts – then he might be worth a flyer to be picked up from the waivers and hope for the best. Uh, well, here's one thing he does very well. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. So, I mean, if you're in a in the last, five in the last league, two years, yeah. he's won 13 games and 16 games. I mean, he's not going to kill your ERA, but he's definitely not going to help it. Um, he's not going to kill your whip, but he's not going to help it. But he's going to give you bulk. I mean, it's definitely one of those quantity over quality, which in a shortened 60-game season is the quantity is less valuable and the quality is more sought after. But it seems to be a lot more of the same of Marco Gonzalez this year. You know, sinker cutter, doesn't throw anything straight, doesn't throw anything twice, and just kind of, you know, keeping guys off balance. And he, that's what he does. I mean, that's what he's done for the last three years, so. Well, there you go. That Maybe that's where uh, Kikuchi learned it from. It was Marco Gonzalez. I knew it. I knew it all along. It was him all along. I mean, it's the only explanation. I don't know what yeah. else. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, it could be, you know, teammate or someone in the analytics department. So, who knows? But I, it's very fascinating. I'm usually not into that type of, like, scouting stuff because, you know, I just need the results. I don't really care yeah. how it's, you know, how they make it or how they cook it or whatever. But uh, it's pretty interesting – I mean, that to me is, is pretty damn interesting because you're telling me this guy never threw a Kikuchi now. Yeah. Never threw a cutter before, at least in Major League Baseball. And then he starts throwing it 42% of the time. <laughs> like, that's insane. Like, who, it, it's like, I don't know. It, it's like, that's the beauty about this baseball game, right? It's like, you, once you, you think you have a handle on things, and because of this analytics revolution, it, it, like, things that used to take about 10 or 15 years for them to digest and for us to see a real trend, they're changing on the fly. You know how much often these trends change nowadays, Sean? It's like wrestling. Like the number <laughs> of times a title gets passed around within 
and we do have a wrestling group. It's called Wrestling Life. There is a podcast there. They just went on yesterday. There's another free plug for those Jake and them guys to, uh, <laughs> uh, from us to them. But yeah, uh, getting back to Marco Gonzalez. Uh, yeah, uh, pitch the contact pitcher right there, 84.3%. That's pretty darn high, especially when you consider who's on that list. But he, like you mentioned, he does things that make him survive and he's the de facto ace of the Mariners. So, you know, he's going to go out there every single game. So if you're trying to pat those wins or like you mentioned, or those, even those low end strikeouts, he's going to be there all the time. So I guess you could do a yeah, lot He's worse. one of those guys. He gets you strikeouts just from how many innings he pitches and yeah. there, and there's a value to it. And, um, of course, I think we have what K per nine in our baseball life league right now, so it kind of gets negated a little bit. No, K per K per strike, uh, K per walk. Okay, that's K per is. walk, and then which will be solid for him because he doesn't really walk guys either. I mean, yeah, five point six seven for a guy who doesn't strike out a lot of guys. I mean, shoot, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, did you want to talk about his Mariners teammate Justice Sheffield, former Yankees prospect? Uh, eh, I'm not a huge Sheffield guy. Not gonna lie. Oh, granted, I think he's had some pitch mix changes as well. Um, he has a great slider, always has. Uh, his thing was he just had a, a very weak fastball, and I think he's throwing a cutter two or a two seam, something like that. So okay. could be a, a slight pitch mix change to you know keep track of there as well. Well, traditionally speaking, uh, I don't trust them. And even with these advanced stats, I don't trust them either on the XFIP and Sierra are over four and that to me is a big no-no but only reason i keep coming back to him he used to be a highly touted prospect maybe he'll do well with the orioles because all of a sudden <laughs> yeah about maybe him. he'll maybe he'll get traded to the orioles or something like that and then he'll find the, what's missing and then there's another uh there's another mariners uh, teammate of his taiwan walker who we talked uh, about last talked time about <laughs> the last time we were together and i'm kind of skeptical on him because there's a lot of things about him and, and his and the statistics and his profile, the advanced metrics that show that maybe his, uh, uh, maybe he's not real, so to speak. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to touch base and see if anything's changed from the last time we talked about him. And it's still kind of uh, worrisome. This is worrisome, 18.7%. Outside the zone swing rate, uh, I need him to get other hitters to chase more. But there is some intrigue in him, as we mentioned last time. I mean, he... He gives up uh, very little contact outside the zone, but probably because he doesn't induce a lot of swings outside the zone. Uh, that's a pretty high contact rate altogether. That's not going to cut the mustard there. Yeah, he uh, doesn't seem like he's going to be a guy who misses bats. He's looking like a pitch-to-contact guy now. And the the splitter, I mean, which used to be a, a filthy pitch for him, is has a whiff rate of only – actually has the lowest whiff rate of all of his pitches. So – Guys just aren't – I'm not sure if it's a – I could look. I mean, he's throwing a lot of them kind of low and in the zone. He's not really dropping a lot of them out of the zone, which is what you kind of usually like to see with the splitter. Um, he's just not getting whiffs. And like you said, that's a, that's an issue that can rear its head real fast sometimes. We were pretty optimistic last time, and it, it probably has a lot to do with the fact that, hey, you know, he's coming back from Tommy John surgery. He's uh, – He's posting some decent stats, or this might be a guy that we kind of like uh, uh, keep an eye on, just because, or even put on your roster on your bench just to see if he, if anything comes out of this former highly touted prospect. There's those, maybe he should be also going with the Baltimore Orioles and pitch well for them. 
but <laughs> reinvent him as, as well. But yeah, there's not a lot of encouraging things. I mean, I, I mean, in 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 your experience, uh, you know, doing kind of like the scouting thing and and, and, and from an analytics and, a, and an eye test type of person, how much is him pitching this year like as much rehab as it is for him as it is for him like coming back uh to be kind of serviceable or adequate starting pitcher this year yeah i mean i this is his first real i mean he's logged more innings already this year than he did in 2018 and 2019 combined so there's gonna be some obvious you know cobwebs and rust to shake off and as long as he stays healthy and can get into the off season it, it, it's something you see with guys that instead of when, when they go into an off season hurt, they spend all off season rehabbing and getting healthy. They don't spend all off season getting better. Um, and then usually if they stay healthy and they get an off season where they don't have to rehab every day and they're just actually training on getting better, bigger and stronger instead of, you know, oh, I, I need to get my arm healthy. And so you, you focus a lot on your arm, but you don't focus on other things. They tend to break out. And I'm not sure if Walker's going to be like that, but if he can stay healthy and feel like, hey, my body's where it needs to be, then maybe he gets a, a good offseason. He's still only 28 years old, which blows my mind. Um, he's younger than, you know, the Trevor Bowers and the Marcus Strowmans that are about to be free agents. So this is a guy, there's still chance for him. Um, but like you said, it's going to be tough for him possibly to do. All right. Let's see. Anybody else? Uh, let's go from this list of four right there. Um, is there anybody that you wanted to talk about? From I like Freddie Peralta and Framber Valdez. Valdez has two really bad matchups, but he's one of those guys. He's always had not really control issues, but his stuff just moves so much that, you know, he, he tries to throw strikes and hitters just lay off and it goes right to the edge of the zone. Um, his stack ass numbers this year look terrible, but his last two outings have been great. Came against um, Seattle and Oakland. Uh, he threw seven shutout innings against uh, – actually, no, he's pitching against Seattle right now. Uh, but his last start was against Oakland which was one of the top offenses in the last week and a half. And he threw seven innings of two hit ball, uh, only gave up a solo home run, had nine strikeouts to one walk. And before that threw six and a third against the angels, eight strikeouts and one walk. And so anytime you see that your ears kind of perk up and you're like, Hey, this guy's not walking batters, but he's got a sinker slider, sinker curve. I thought it used to be classified as a slider, but um, the curves filthy. The sinker is Okay. I mean, it's really there to get strikes. But the curve is the dominant pitch, and he's uh, not throwing it as much as he did last year, but he's someone to keep an eye on because we know how Houston develops those pitchers, um, which is kind of leads me to the last guy on your list. He's not a part of that four, but Brandon Belak. Um, when Justin Verlander went down, everyone was like, oh, Josh James is going to stay in the rotation. Forrest Whitley's getting promoted. Um Framber Valdez is going to get another chance. And everyone started freaking out. And I was over there on Twitter, like uh, the, the I'll do it again meme. But that was me with Brandon Belak. I was like, don't make me say it again. And this is a guy who was like pretty boring in the minors. Uh, had a 4-4 ERA in AAA, which actually isn't terrible for the PCL. But the thing that I always liked with him 
was he was this right-handed pitcher that just absolutely dominated lefties. In his first three pro seasons, they batted 177 against him. And that's carrying over to the majors right now, too. Uh, righties are batting uh, – where's his uh... – okay, uh, he actually of, – of his uh, – he has 11 strikeouts so far to go with seven walks, which isn't great, but he's limiting hard contact and avoiding the barrel and whatnot. But lefties account for eight of his strikeouts, while righties he's only struck out three. So it's one of those, he's got a great changeup, and his curve is kind of a developing weapon. And if you go in on the baseball savant, you'll see that it actually has like the most vertical drop of any curveball in baseball. It's like bright, bright red, which is a good thing when you're a baseball savant. So it's something that maybe if he starts throwing it more, it's almost like that spike curveball that kind of goes straight down, kind of a... Uh, like a, like a knuckle curve Charlie Morton curveball, uh, which is what he, Houston did with Charlie Morton. They they said, hey, you know, here's this curveball, and then he started throwing it a crazy amount of the time. But Brandon Belak's true weapon is that changeup. Um, I, I got a chance to watch a couple of his outings, and it's just – it's a beauty of a pitch. And it, he throws it both to left-handers and right-handers. He, if you go to his Savant page, and it's like all of his changeups are right on the corner of the plate which is a good thing. <laughs> and um, he's always been a good location guy. And like I said earlier in the podcast, the he is more than the sum of his parts. And Houston develops pitchers. And he's, his fastball is, you know, just good enough. Throws about 93, 94 with a solid spin rate. But with that changeup, cutter, and curve, I think he's a legit chance to, you know, just dominate lefties, which is odd for a right-handed pitcher. And uh, getting back to you, uh, kind of skimmed over Freddie Peralta. Uh, the numbers are kind of uh, bad for me because he only has one start and only three innings pitch. So sample size issue. Uh, I'm assuming that he's has spent most of his time out of the Brewers bullpen. Is that correct? Yes, he made that first start, got kicked out, and then his last two outings uh, came against the White Sox and the Twins. And he combined uh, to throw seven innings, allowed only two hits, two walks, and 14 strikeouts, which is, you know, fantastic. And he's one of those guys, he throws nothing but his fastball, it seems like. Um, he's throwing a slider this year that he worked on in the Dominican Winter League because it used to be just be fastball, curveball, and like a changeup that he never threw. But the slider does seem to be doing pretty well. He hasn't allowed a base hit on it yet. But he's one of those guys, he just pounds the zone, fastball, fastball, fastball. And now Eric Lauer has been kicked out of the rotation. So there is a rotation spot up for grabs in Milwaukee. The only issue is Freddie Peralta has competition in both Corbin Burns, who was kicked out of the rotation when Brett Anderson came back. Mm -hmm. And Freddie Peralta and Corbin Burns had been doing this weird piggyback thing where their last two outings have been, you know, bulk three, four, five innings out of the bullpen. But it's almost like a starting pitcher's workload, at least in terms of effectiveness. You know, 14 strikeouts in two outings is pretty good, even if whether you throw 10 innings or seven innings. But uh, Peralta, for sure, uh, he might stick in the rotation. He might stay in the bullpen. 
Um, of course, they gave him that big contract extension, you know, five years, 30 million or whatever. So you would think if they have so much invested in him that they would uh, be more likely to put him in the rotation, but I guess we'll see. Breaking news as we're talking. I don't know if you saw that or not, but uh, Steven Strasburg left the Orioles game today after 16 pitches due to a hand injury. Go figure. Uh, he's, he's been having – he's ha- had a nerve issue in his hand earlier. Yeah, he's been doing a lot of this and a lot of that. Uh, with the, you guys can't see if you're listening to me on audio only. But, yeah, a lot of shaking of the hand, a lot of uh, squeezing of the hand, trying to get that feeling back. Um, is it time for a guy like me to panic who – just so happens to have Steven Strasburg and at least one lead. Yes. <laughs> Short answer. Yes. I I had never, like I said, I've I've always been unrealistically against Steven Strasburg. I have no real reason to hate the guy like I do, but I do. And I've just always felt like he would uh just fall apart. And especially now that he's got the big contract, it's like what was Washington thinking? I, I don't know. Well, I mean, I think we talked about it numerous times. It's like, because, yeah, they had a choice between Anthony Rendon and Steven Strasburg. It was obviously they weren't going to do both. I mean, Anthony Rendon basically single-handedly carried that team on his back in the yeah. World Series, um, offensively speaking. But it's that old adage. I mean, it's Mike Rizzo, right? I mean, he, yeah. he built that roster old school. Right. around guys like Strasburg and Harper that they drafted. and Well, not just, not just that, but it, yeah, of course, the, yeah. The, that's his baby. But so is Rendon, though. Rendon yeah. was also brought up in the system. I think my thing with Rizzo is that, you know, he's old school. What wins, what wins championships? Pitching and defense wins championships. Yeah. Maybe they should have gone with Rendon instead, but I don't know how you justify that money to Strasburg, but not to Rendon. I, I will never understand that. But I can see why he wanted to do it. I mean, especially – considering that Max Scherzer and Steven Strasburg do make a very well one-two punch. Yeah. Uh, and then you add Patrick Corbin. It's Corbin, right? Patrick yeah. Corbin is a, yeah. You add him, that's a one-two-three punch right there. Uh, so maybe that's what he envisions, but uh, maybe he should have gone with Rendon instead. And uh, What do I do, man? I mean, I'm about 100 points behind in sixth place in my points league. Um, do I wave the flag? I mean, like, like I said, the Grom, Strasburg, Syndergaard. <laughs> that's that's it's, tough it's 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 extremely tough i don't know what to do it's like i i came in this season with high hopes john with that league i thought this year was gonna be my last hurrah with this team because i also got christian yelich and he's been sucking as well uh it's it's frustrating aside from the injuries seeing these guys not perform is very frustrating yeah um, so it's like is it time for me to wave the white flag and start you know, selling off pieces, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to have competition. So I don't know. I have some uh, tough decisions to make in that league for sure. Uh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I have uh, the last two pitchers I was going to talk about. Well, three, really. I combined two into one. Um, if you're a Charlie Morton owner and you're looking to replace, you know, Charlie Morton, um, what better place than to pick up the two guys that are actually replacing Charlie Morton. Uh, Trevor Richards, who was part of the Marlins deal with the Rays last year, and Jalen Beeks, who started off bulk relief in the bullpen, um, has, I think, the most strikeouts of any relief pitcher in baseball so far. Um, Those guys seem to be forming some sort of piggyback. Obviously not conducive to fantasy, but 
what I like to keep an eye on here is Trevor Richards probably could get a lot of those starts. He struggled a little bit off the bat, but if he even has one or two, you know, really good outings, they might, you know, throw away the idea of piggybacking him altogether, especially with Yanni Chirinos uh, set up to miss a couple of starts as well. So Trevor Richards and Jalen Beeks. Beeks might not be the starter, quote-unquote, but he might get four to five innings um, behind an opener. And the way that he's been missing bats, that would be a really good investment to look into. I got so used to uh, watching – Trevor Richards with the Marlins that I, I gave him the Marlins colors, but no, he's, <laughs> he's now with the with the Rays, so I'm gonna give him Rays colors. Trevor Richards, Jalen Beeks, uh, with the, with the yeah. um, aside from those guys, uh, was there anybody else, uh, including on this list or not on this list? Uh, uh, my last guy is not on your list, and that is uh, the Los Angeles Angels lefty Patrick Sandoval who still has three-plus secondaries and still has absolutely no fastball. Um, I think he needs to take some hints from his teammate and former Baltimore Oriole Dylan Bundy because Bundy has really seemed to figure it out while Sandoval has kind of just been so-so. He, he's had one or two good starts and one or two kind of clunkers. Uh, let me look it up. But it's, a, it's one of those, he's always had a great curveball, a great changeup that he really developed over the last year or two. Um, and it's just the fastball he throws 93. It ha- gets no spin really on the fastball. But he's just gotten lit up this year in terms of his heart batted ball data. Um, he had six innings, two runs with four strikeouts against the Rangers, and then four innings of – one earned run, four strikeouts against the Mariners at the beginning of the year. Um, he got optioned down to the alternate site for a relief pitcher for a week or so. And then this past – right now he's starting against the Dodgers. Um, that – God bless him. Good luck. <laughs> Especially after what Mookie Betts did last night. Good luck. He's going to need it. Yeah. But he he's a guy who – his pitches are too good – is especially like to have a plus slider changeup and curve, you're going to be a good pitcher if you have three weapons like that. And he's just I, – I don't know what he needs to do. I'm not sure if he needs to throw the slider more just like Bundy does. I'm not sure if he needs to throw a changeup or a curveball to get ahead in the count early instead of relying on his fastball to get strikes because obviously his fastball is just not good enough to, to fool major league hitters. But the, the secondary pitchers are, so – We'll see what he does. All right. Oh, and then we were supposed to talk about our guy, Garrett Richards, who he's uh, been on Thorn Thorn on my side for a long time. You know who he is. He's um, he's my Moby Dick, man. He's got the greatest mustache in baseball. Yeah, him and Mike Fires, right? Yeah. (laughs) But Garrett Richards has been – I feel like he's been in the league forever. I'm kind of surprised that his arm is still functioning and it's still – well, he, he missed, you know, like a year and a half because of Tommy John, but now he's back. So, so I'm kind of shocked that he's still uh, all in one in one piece because I thought his arm fell apart a long time ago. <laughs> but it's like every year he's like a stat caster. Like we've mentioned this before on the show. Like, oh, man, the spin rate is really high on him. I think somebody, on, on all of it, on, on his fastball, on his slider, on his curveball, it's it's unreal. And I remember, I remember uh, there's an anecdote about him. Okay, Gary Richards, uh, somebody brought it up. I think it might have been Eno Saris who brought it up. Hey, you have a really high spin rate on your fastball. 
And Gary Richards just looks at this guy and goes, is that a good thing? <laughs> like, yeah, that's a good thing, apparently. But not for him as, uh, you know, like I said, as we talked off the show, we, I, I was, when is it going to be put together? And so far, it looks like maybe this is the year. He's in the right situation with the Padres, up and up and coming team, pitcher friendly ballpark, pitcher friendly division. You know, um, and I, he had a nice game against the Dodgers. Uh, was it last night? I believe. Yeah. So I, maybe we're seeing it unfold, and maybe you just stop listening and go pick up Garrett Richards right now before I do it. If yeah, I was gonna say, if, if Garrett knows. Richards is available in your league, he he should be rostered. Um, yeah. Uh, 100%. And his thing is, you know, when he was with the Angels and he had like that one or two all-star seasons, uh, he threw the sinker a lot. And he was really a, a ground ball pitcher that had this great fastball and curveball. And th- he threw the slider, like I go back to 2015, he actually threw the slider more than he threw any of his uh, four-seamer or sinker. So it's one of those, he's always had great feel for the slider or curveball or they're very similar pitches. I mean, his curveball is definitely a slower pitch, but the slider has more of a 11 to five curveball break than it does a traditional uh, slider, but he's really almost ditched the sinker. He's not even throwing it 10% of the time this year, which is a good thing in terms of strikeouts. Uh, We haven't seen the strikeouts yet. He only has 19 and 21 innings, but we talked about it right before we came on the show that his last three outings have come at Colorado and then two starts against the Dodgers, and he survived. And I want to say his next matchups are slightly better. Um, let me pull it up real fast. Because I have him. I had to trade uh, Cesar Hernandez. It made me very sad. Um, yes, he has two pretty good matchups. His, uh, he has a start on Sunday against Arizona, who was before their series with Colorado was one of the worst offenses in baseball. And then he has Houston at San Diego. And for a breaking ball heavy pitcher like Richards and no trash cans, um, he might have pretty good luck against Houston. (laughs) (laughs) I got to do my best Donk City, you know, a bit right there. You know, got to bring up the trash can at least once. It's not a baseball life show unless we bring up trash cans. And And the Astros. It's not (laughs) – and the Astros, and it's definitely not a total basis podcast episode if we don't bring up Dong City, with the Monday night show. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, this is this is going to be interesting when the football season starts. It's like, well, I mean, they go on early enough where they're still kind of relevant. Uh, <laughs> where they're still relevant. <laughs> well, I'm just saying because football is king. I mean, yeah, yeah, for king. sure, for sure. Not, not that our time slot right now is any, is any better. It's Friday night. I mean, I'm pretty sure people uh, – well, no, everybody's under quarantine too, so yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, we got a chance. We, we we might have a chance to uh, capture the audience here, but it's a very uh, what do you call it? It's a very not an exact science, is what I'm trying to say here. But uh, at any rate, um, uh, Ben Franklin is apparently to... watching a baseball game right now. Okay, I wish I could Franklin. show you, but they have a cardboard cutout of Ben Franklin at the Phillies ballpark, behind home plate, yes. off to the first base side. <laughs> Was it worth a hundred dollars to get him in there? <laughs> And they have another old guy, but I'm not sure who it is. <laughs> uh, good old President Benjamin Franklin. And then uh, just oh, to uh, – oh, okay. right before we wrap it up, um, 
maybe talk about some of the prospects that have debuted since we last talked. Uh, Joe Adele debuted, what, like the, the day after we did our last show together. Um, Luis Patino at the same time. Uh, Patino obviously coming out of the bullpen, not really fantasy relevant right now, but if there were to be an injury, he could probably slot into that rotation. And of course, you know, top 30 prospect in baseball. So definitely want to keep an eye on him. And then yesterday, um, Alec Bohm and Jorge Mateo both made their debuts. Of course, Mateo was the one time Yankee Uber prospect that stole what 82 bases in 2015. Um, he never really hit to use the speed, but, you know, anytime you see someone with that kind of speed in, in baseball, it's hard. Fantasy players get so, like, enamored with speed. Like, Billy Hamilton used to be a first and second – or not a first, a second and third round pick. Like, that was the cr- crazy thing about Billy Hamilton back when he first came up the first few years. Um, any of those guys, you know, interest you? Boehm, Mateo, Adele, do you have any of them? Um, no, I, I have, a I have an HP, HP pavilion, not an Adele. <laughs> That's the joke. Uh, so you were kind of breaking up. So we're talking about Jorge Mateo, right? Uh, Joe Adele and who's Alex Bohm for the Phillies. Luis Patino, right. Oh, so, and Alec oh, and Alec Bohm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I had Joe Adele in the newbie league and then I cut him because I didn't think the angels were going to. <laughs> um, bring them up. So the answer is no, I don't have any of those guys at all. But I, I know those guys. I mean, I like yeah. Luis Patino when when, uh, when I was doing my uh, uh, early season rankings back in way, way, way back in February or March. Long um, time ago, I eh? <laughs> I didn't think he was going to get called up uh, this year. And then uh, this season has been wacky, to say the least. Uh, but uh, no, I've uh, struck up. But I have other prospects, as you know. I mean, I got Royce Lewis and Jarek Kalenic and uh, my points league, I got like they will be here before you know it. I they better, man, because I need a shot in the arm. Like right now, I'm looking at my <laughs> I, I don't roster. think they'll be here this year. You might just have to to drug through this year. Well, but, brother, uh, I, I'm looking at, at my roster right now for my points league, and the only guys I'm I'm willing to keep are Chris Paddock and Mike Clevenger. And oh I still need to figure out who my other three guys are. You gotta keep so, Jacob deGrom. Duh. I, do I really want to at yes, this point? Yes, you want to keep Jacob deGrom. All right, fine. I He's the best pitcher in baseball. Come on now. I won't put him on my trade block. I guess uh, these injuries are just resting. I was supposed to say arm. you. Could, I would say try and trade Steven Strasburg, but nobody's going to touch him. <laughs> no, no one's going to touch him. So um, at all, but I'm, I, it's worth a shot. Maybe I can pair him up with uh, Noah Syndergaard and get something in return, right? <laughs> Jesus Double the injured Christ. arms. <laughs> Man, you know what this is like. This is like, uh, oh god, this is so frustrating. This is the equivalent. This is the equivalent of. Um, of, of, of those your favorite teams of all time right? just think about who your favorite team is and they're climbing they're climbing they're climbing they're climbing basically the 2015 Mets last year or maybe a couple years ago I was the 2015 Mets in this league and I thought there was nowhere to go but up the next step was just go in there and, and win these 10 goddamn championships right <laughs> and it's just and I, I should have seen the writing on the wall and, and the reason I'm talking about this freaking league is because I'm so invested and I have 20 years and, and I've been trying to figure it out and I figure, okay, I figure it out, right? I have the perfect pitchers. I remember I was talking to you about yeah. it. Right? You, had, you had all of the pitchers. Mike Clevenger <laughs> and Brandon Woodruff are available. I'm going to get them if I see them. And God dang it, they were there available. Like, okay, this is the best pitching staff I've ever had. And it's just, just 
Ah, just nothing. Nothing's working. I mean, anyway. pitchers are um, risky, to say the least. That's for sure. <laughs> not, but not these pitchers. No way. Not these. I mean, maybe Strasburg and maybe Syndergaard, but not DeGrom and not Clevenger. <laughs> and definitely and Brendan Woodrow's on his up and up. And I got Chris Paddock just because he's so promising and so young. I mean, I'm eight deep already at this point, and it's just—it's all for nothing. I'm yeah. Not, I'm, if it makes you feel better, the the one that I'm heavily invested in this 30 team dynasty league, um, I'm on my third Tommy John surgery of the season so far. Um, Noah Syndergaard going under the knife. Uh, Colin Poche, um, relief pitcher who had a lot of strikeouts for the Rays. He underwent Tommy John right at the end of July. And then I picked up Andrew Kittridge. He was a Sparp um, opener, kind of bulk relief guy for the Rays as well. Um, he made all of like four appearances this year. Uh, actually, no, he made more. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. He made nine appearances, and he's out with Tommy John. I had Rich Hill, and even in a, a, a season where he only has to make 12 starts, Rich Hill, it's just 12 starts, and yet he's already hurt again. And then I also had Marcus Stroman, who, of course, opted out. So my pitching has been in shambles, but I recovered. I was able to pick up guys like Brandon Belak and uh, TJ Antone, who have done really well for their respective teams. And these guys were available in a league where 1,200-plus players are rostered. So they're probably available in your leagues, too. See about that. And I, I don't know some of these leagues. I don't know. Hey, you got to find uh, the hidden gems on the waiver wire. I know. So you got to find the hidden free agent gems. Uh, I'm over here. I'm touting the Brandon Belak train. Okay, Belak for life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I think that's a good place to stop. We yeah. covered a lot of pitching. Like, listen, guys, if you can't find a pitcher, I mean, we 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 talk we talk about the. Freaking Orioles, for God's sake. <laughs> we basically went through the entire Orioles rotation. <laughs> we had to because it's just it's, – it's still crazy. Even after seeing what I just saw, it still doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. But it, it's it's working for them. Good for them, I guess. They don't have – they no longer have uh, to deal with my, my with my wrath anymore, at least for the time being. Um, but that's a good place to stop. I want to thank everybody for chiming in, uh, bringing in those questions. They gave us a, a, a platform to – uh, be inspired to do this starting pitching thing. It, it seems that that's going to be a regular occurrence anyway, because it, yeah. like I mentioned at the start of the show, it, it's just a weird year. It is frustrating, but again, this is why we do it because we're both Mexican and masochistic, <laughs> nihilistic and sadistic, and we study statistics and <laughs> all of the istics. Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all in there. Uh, so, Sean, I'll let you have the last word. Uh, what you um, got for me? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Looking forward to the next show in which we'll probably half the guys that we recommended you start this week are either injured or had terrible starts, and then we have to come up with a whole new list. So, you know, <laughs> it's a uh, self-sustaining gig over here at the uh, Total Basis Podcast. Uh, yeah, thank you, guys. It, it, thank you to our listeners. You know, be sure to check us out on YouTube, and you'll be able to see all of our stupid facial reactions and Felipe's beloved uh, leaderboards. And our, not leaderboards, but um, spreadsheets. There we go. Yeah, the Spreadsheet leaderboards, yeah. yeah. Thank um, you. you know, they always guide us through our show. I don't know what we would do without them. Um, if not, you can always check us out on our audio only platforms on Spotify and Stitcher. Are we? Stitcher. Is, yes. 
Apple. An Apple, an Apple, yes. There you uh, go. We're, I forgot. Are, we're, we're official. We got Apple now. <laughs> those are the main ones that, that yeah. I can think of. I know that I, there's like a bunch of other ones that are out there as well. That, yeah. uh, so just, be sure to check us out there, uh, Total Basis Podcast. It'll be under the Life Group Podcast banner on both Apple and Spotify, but our episodes will be there. So be sure to check us out. And until next time, go, folks. <laughs>